Welcome to Bat Therapy, the psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. I am excited for this week because I once again made Keaton read something he had not read before. <laughs> yeah, so doing this podcast has made me realize how behind on comic books I am. There's so many amazing runs and graphic novels that I have not read yet. And so it's been a lot of fun just going back in and catching up. I actually subscribed to the DC Universe app that has all the different comics in it. And so we kind of share that and we're able to read comics. And yeah. I think that's it's been a good, it's been a good time. I think that's what actually got me not to like create a free ad for these people. Jeez. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I think that that actually got me reading a bunch of stuff that I hadn't before. Um, because yeah, it was like all easily accessible and it's sometimes it's like, Oh, I bought this thing that I have a physical copy and it was meh. That's kind of yeah. disappointing. I only want to buy the stuff that I really love. And this yeah, is one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's $8 a month for every single comic. Yeah, well, DC, but still. DC, right. Yeah. It's $8 a month for every single comic. And like, I'm thinking about doing like a, a giveaway for the podcast and giving away mm. like like maybe a couple months, a three months subscription yeah. or something like that. Taunting maybe people a year. with we'll ideas see. of free stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it won't be free they'll have to tell people about the podcast and prove it publicly <laughs> maybe even a trial by combat or two i've been re-watching game of thrones oh, there you go. so what i got keen to read this week was heroes in crisis which yes i had forgotten i was like oh yeah we should do it i think it's got some psychology stuff and it's got like a robot treatment center and da 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 and i was like i remember liking it i reread it and i went to a so i reread it i went to a coffee shop where people might have thought it was weird cuz i was just like laughing to myself the whole time cuz i was just enjoying myself so much yeah, so I've always been a huge fan of Tom King. And so yes. I was honestly shocked. I'm like, how did this slip through the cracks? <laughs> like normally anything with his name on it, I'm like, yeah, I got to read that. Uh, but yeah, him and Clay Mann, who I've actually had the pleasure of meeting both of them at Comic-Cons before. They're absolutely great, fun people. I got a chance to meet both of them and they're just the most laid back, cool people you will ever meet. Yeah. See, you you were all, oh, my God, how did I not read this? It's Tom King. And I had forgotten it was Tom King. And, you know, I finished reading it. I close it. And then I see Tom King on the cover. And I was like, of course it's Tom of King. That's why I love this so much. Right. Right. He does, he does do psychology very well. He does. Like, actually, yeah. the whole time I was like, was he talking to somebody? Was he working with some people? Like, there's so much good stuff in here. So yeah. uh, hopefully it's obvious, like, spoiler alert. If, if you haven't read it. So we're going to not be worrying so much about 
spoilers and whatnot, we're, as we always do, kind of going to freely talk about it. It's pretty obvious from the title what we're referring to. But yeah, it's right. it's a really great, I, I find it to be a really great just kind of back and forth between actually hitting on some pretty strong psychological undertones and like hitting on what it's like to be a hero, a superhero, and the weight that that makes you carry while also having all of these like wonderfully humorous parts that just to me really help balance it out. Yeah, it did a really good job just focusing in on a lot of the different heroes and one of the things that I did like. So this comic is a who done it. There's like quite a few quite a few people get killed off at the beginning of this and then the entire comic is a, a big like who done it. They're trying to figure out what exactly happened. But through out they show on a lot of the characters some that were deceased and some that are currently involved in the story as far as what their treatment is what happened to them what they're going through and i they just do a really really good job of it and one of the ways they do it is and i i guess like it's kind of like a confessional booth because they just go in there and they're just talking So, yeah, okay, so here's kind of the setup for anyone who doesn't know or needs a refresher. So this place is called Sanctuary or The Sanctuary, and it's essentially robot therapy. (laughs) I mean, it's a blend of, like, robots and, I'm sorry, people and engineering and all this stuff. Like, I don't know when it's a robot versus AI versus what you call it, but they have some robots there that, like, welcome people. They have what they call um, like a therapy computer is what someone calls it at a certain point. And yeah, it does seem like people have like confessionals with the therapy computer where they're kind of like talking through their issues and processing. And then they also have this thing they call the chamber, which seems to be like a virtual reality kind of thing. Like yes. like it's like a full-on hologram, like holographic, like almost like Star Trekiness thing. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah. yeah, it's super intense. It's like surrounding you and you're getting kind of led through it. There's some voice that's like the, the therapeutic voice or whatnot that is essentially you tell it what you want to see and then it's all about processing through playing out why you wanted to see that. And it's actually really it's really cool and they actually hit on a lot of interesting things that relate really well to what therapy tends to look like and yeah it's I know it's like robots and stuff but I mean people do use virtual reality in therapy and um there's I mean there's actually like Booster Gold who's a huge goofball like almost a superhero wannabe he actually bless his heart i know bless his heart <laughs> sorry we're from the south so we use bless, bless their hearts he actually when he's doing the virtual reality he wants to see himself and he ends up talking and arguing with himself and like going through this whole thing and it's very empty chair technique which is essentially like pretending there's another chair and you envision someone it can even be a part of yourself or a you from a certain part of your life that you then essentially imagine talking to in order to process things. And he literally does it in the VR chamber, which is really cool. So yeah, it's super cool stuff. Which I found, I found that interesting because I definitely talk to myself 
a lot. Me too. But I've never thought about talking to a past version of myself. Like, I've never contemplated that at all. Yeah. You know, some people find it really healing. You can kind of, like, like you said, it's it's natural to talk to yourself in a lot of ways. It's a really great way to process through things, to talk to yourself or to talk to someone else, to find a way to kind of externalize stuff. But also, let's say, like, one, one example that comes to mind is uh, someone who might have been abused as a child and right. never got, especially if there was, like, neglect or the abuse was happening within the family and never got that true parental comforting and connection or what we tend to think of as coming through a parent. Um, and and so if you haven't gotten that and that part of you is hurting, but you can't, at least at this point in time, to our knowledge, we cannot travel back in time and right. provide that comfort. And so it's a way of trying to kind of provide that comfort in the best way you can without being able to travel back. Okay, gotcha. So one of the things that I was thinking about, I'm glad you said that, is because I was sitting here thinking, like, is the reason I've never done that because I'm not a fan of old, of of younger me, right? Like, I don't want to talk to that guy, right? And and so I was wondering if it's one of those things that people that people would use if they maybe felt like they liked their their past self more than their current self. I mean, it, it, rather than vice versa. I mean, this isn't your therapy session and we're not going to delve into Keaton here, guys. But no, no, no. But but, you know, I, I think that it really could go either way where if there is some sort of disconnect with who you are and who you want to be and you relate that to something about a part of yourself or something in your past and how you were or were not able to process through that and and you're wanting a way to sometimes it feels really abstract to talk about stuff and so if you can use your imagination to kind of help you connect more with that part of yourself or with that past event or whatever it is it can be helpful or if or if it's something where you can't physically have a person in front of you like let's say there's someone that you really wish that you could tell them off or or tell them how you feel or whatever it is but you can't because I don't know, they're dead or they won't listen to you anyway or whatever it might be, then sometimes the imagination or virtual reality in this case might be helpful. And so this program is called Sanctuary and it was made by the big three, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. They all came together collectively and put this together. And the big idea is it's a place where heroes can be completely alone And more than that, completely anonymous and all the information is extremely confidential. Like to the point where there, because it's a whodunit, Superman keeps going, all right, Bruce, wait, you say it's deleted immediately after people share stuff with the robots, but we know you keep it somewhere. You're, you're Batman. He's like, no, I don't. No. He's like, no, I'm for real. Like, I really don't. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. He's like, I really don't. Yeah, so, yeah, anonymity to the extreme here. And it looks even worse because at one point he's like, don't you have kryptonite in your belt right now? And he's like, no, not right now. And then later on you find out, yep, he definitely does. No, he didn't say I don't have it on me. He said, I don't have any kryptonite in my belt. 
Oh, yes, that's right. That's what he said. There are so, Technically the truth. There are so many great things. Like, you you will chuckle throughout this comic. Like, I promise it's a wonderful comic if if you haven't read it. It's so great. Like, all, yeah, all those moments between the big three are phenomenal. There are some great moments between, like, the Flash and Batman. Uh, Harley Quinn, she yes. had me laughing, like, the whole freaking time. She's oh my so gosh. funny. But at the same time, it was so emotional. Like her, yeah. like the the conversation she has at the beginning with Batgirl, yeah, is 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 so powerful. And then, of course, later on, she has another because they use this comic to resurrect Poison Ivy, who had been gone for a bit, and and so then she gets back with her again. It's it they do a little bit of everything in this, and it's good because it's it's nine issues long, so it doesn't feel rushed but at the same time they get a lot done and like i said before one of my favorite things about it is you really get the superhero confessional booth is it was one of my favorites because like even superman when he goes and he's like i can't do this like he he's sitting there talking to himself he's like well i'm clark kent but i'm also superman and and he's doing this back and forth to the point he's like all right i gotta get out of here i can't do this this is ridiculous so good because he's like I had to make them different because I didn't want people knowing who I was. And so am I am I essentially like Superman downplaying myself to be imperfect as Clark Kent or am I Clark Kent trying to make myself into perfection for Superman and oh it's so good. Yeah, because we've never and I feel like we've never heard him describe it that way. Like yeah. we always we've described it like plenty of times I've said Superman is pretending to be Clark Kent, but he's always been and will always be Superman. And I was saying it from a physical aspect. Mentally, it's kind of the reverse. But mentally, he was raised as Clark Kent, found out that he was not born Clark Kent, but he was raised as Clark Kent, has the personality of Clark Kent, but is in fact Superman. So it was really interesting hearing him yep. break it down that way. Because like I said, I'd always thought of it from a physical aspect, but never a mental. And for any of you thinking, oh, Batman wouldn't be caught dead here. He goes all the time. He does. He goes all the time. Yeah. And and that's why they literally make it anonymous. Now, there's this question in there. There are a few questions about. So so anonymous versus confidential. Let, let's hit on okay. that for a sec. Because they okay. talk about anonymity in here. So anonymous is essentially like, here's the information, but you don't, like, you don't have the identity of the person at all. So here, they really are trying for anonymity. I mean, you're, you're, you're deleting all the information the second it's processed by the robot enough for the robot to respond with whatever. And you're even, you're given this like cloak and mask that you can wear around everywhere and you don't even have to leave your room if you don't want to. You can just interact with the computers. Like it's really up to you if people know your identity at all. And so there's a who done it. All these people die. They all, they die at the sanctuary. Right. And the problem is, is that they don't even know who else might have been there because of the anonymity. And so confidential, so confidentiality is more what we have in treatment because obviously I need to know who you are in order to to treat you in 
you know, if I'm not a weird robot like this. And um, you can't just delete my memory like you theoretically can with these robots. And so with confidentiality, it's more we're not sharing your information outside of here. So let's say, uh, Keaton, let's say your wife calls up, if you're seeing a therapist, calls up your therapist, says, hey, I'm Keaton's wife. Tell me such and such about him or, you know, does he have an appointment next week or whatever? They don't have permission to give that information out. They can't even confirm or deny that you're seeing that provider. So, okay. so that's more confidentiality. And, and there are certain aspects where theoretically anonymity or um, particularly for us confidentiality, you might have to say, okay, unfortunately we have to break confidentiality here. If there's more of, usually it's more of like a, a immediate risk. So someone's literally about to go off and kill themselves, kill someone else. Then it's like, okay, well we got to deal with the safety first. So that's like the anonymity, which they hit more on here versus confidentiality, which you normally have. And that was one of the questions I had for you, like at what point, because there's not a lot of anonymity when it comes to therapy, because Mm -hmm. I like when I think anonymity, honestly, like I said, first thing I think about is like a confessional booth at a at a at a Catholic church. Like, that's what I think of with when it comes to ultimate anonymity, though, if you have a a recognizable voice <laughs> that right. work for you but yeah that is right. more anonymous than right. i don't think i could get away with health. going to a... <laughs> probably not you've got you've got a pretty distinct voice i don't know about yeah. me i don't know how distinct my voice is or isn't but yeah you know it you're right like a confessional booth is a good example of something where you you can be more more anonymous Versus with treatment, I mean, we're getting your name, your date of birth, you know, we're talking about details about your life, like there are certain things that identify who you are, though we're not sharing it outside of that healthcare relationship. Now, one thing I was going to ask, because a lot of times therapists like might have like there's certain areas where they might know someone that's more experienced with it. Is there a confidentiality uh, is it like confidentiality amongst the public that's hidden versus confidentiality between other professionals like that are in the building? Good question. So within a healthcare system, usually now sometimes mental health records are different. It depends on your healthcare system. But a lot of times within your healthcare system, the other providers can also access that person's chart or you might consult with each other. And hopefully you provide that understanding to the people you work with that, hey, we want you, you want to make sure everything flows together because, OK, mental health, brain, medical, body, it's not really that black and white. They they definitely intermingle quite a bit. So um, some of that kind of comes into play. But separate from that. Um, or say like emergency situations where it's like, okay, we're the emergency place. We're connecting with their outside providers. That's another kind of place where you might have some crossover. But let's say outside of that, like, okay, I'm working with this person. I have plenty of times where I consult with someone else. And through that consultation, what I might do is say, hey, I have such and such happening. And I could use some advice or some expertise and just kind of talking through the, that information. But really what you want to do is when it comes to the confidentiality, like I don't need to tell that person the name of the client. I don't need to, you know, like I don't need to talk about their birthday or I don't, I don't, 
I really, it's best to just give the information that's going to be helpful in terms of them supporting me and making sure I'm providing the best care to this person. So, hey, your expertise can be helpful. Here's the information that you need as that expert to help me. And it's usually more about, let me describe the symptoms or the situation that this person's mentioning. It's not like their name or you might avoid things like their demographics, like where they live, their name, their occupation, if that's going to be identifying, et cetera, et cetera. I remember like how, just how serious they take confidentiality. Well, yeah. I used to volunteer at the hospital for a while. I was a candy striper. And what I did, I helped transport patients. And whenever you would transport patients to another area of the hospital, they would always say, hey, here's their chart. You cannot look at it. I always thought it was kind of strange that they were giving these instructions to a high schooler and telling them not to do that. Like, it's it's kind of interesting that you trust me like that. But I, I did make sure to never do that. But they take confidentiality very seriously to the point of legal repercussions if yes. that's broken. Absolutely. So here here's the issue and why they use technology here versus people. We're human beings. We get tempted. Yes. So you find out from time to time that some celebrity got treatment somewhere and people got in trouble for going into the chart. Mm-hmm. People get curious. People... There, there, it's it's not like if you work somewhere and you're able to like access charts, it's not usually it's not like you go enter a name and it says you do you have permission or you don't have permission. Like if you have a certain level of permission, then you can go in. However, now that things are computerized, the system tends to track who's been in a person's chart. And I know my system, and I would assume other systems as well, you can actually request to see who has been in your chart. So I work in a system, at least how ours is set up, like you can track it and you can request to see. You can even kind of have an extra kind of sensitivity wall up if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different places might have different kind of levels. But if you're really worried about how confidential it is, you know, let's say it's a small town or you know some people that work there, even though it's not the person you're going to be relating to directly, you can always kind of talk through those things with someone. But yeah, like it, it's a big deal to break confidentiality. And and there are a lot of really important reasons. We want people to feel comfortable to really be able to open up and not have their information get out there. But what I found really interesting in this story is it's so, so once again, this was anonymous. They were trying to keep it anonymous. But there's actually someone in the story who struggles because they keep hearing other people struggle too. There are other people who who can relate to how you're feeling and doesn't believe it because the place is so anonymous. <laughs> yes. And I found that so interesting. Yeah, it it that was very interesting and he essentially breaks confidentiality because he gets into the system and this is where it got weird and it kind of bothered me in it because he was sending this information to Lois secretly mm-hmm. and th- so this is what I really did I didn't like here Lois straight up writes an article and makes it public and I felt like that was weird I'm like okay you're with Superman he's trying to keep it closed off and and Superman actually like 
doesn't tell anyone this is going. I don't know. He he was a little more faithful to his wife and the reporter way of life than I would have expected. But Batman yeah. got very close to cussing him out. <laughs> yeah, because life. I mean, because essentially, like, oh, Lois sees the information. She says, "Well, I'm going to write an article on it and release it to the public." And it's like, I don't know if she should have done that. Like, I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't know how I felt about that. So, so here here's something that I think was a good point that she mentioned. She didn't know who was sending it out and or why, but they were sending it out. They were sending it out to her and she could control the narrative versus if the if if they didn't like that, she wasn't sending anything out. They might pick someone someone else else. who Mm. and, and they were. So what ended up happening is the anonymity got disrupted here and they had those confessionals we were talking about sending record like the recordings of these records to Lois Lane. So someone with that information, they could have just shared those videos verbatim. And her article at least generalizes things, or at least the part you can you know about in, in the comic generalizes, which I think is better. So it then just talks about how do we feel about superheroes essentially being messed up because they're superheroes and they seen some shit. So it's more of that story versus this person has an addiction or this person has PTSD or this person has such and such happening. So, yeah, I, yeah, it, it, I it's just, tricky. Yeah, it was, it was tricky because I sitting here thinking about like the, the whole idea, like you said, of anonymity and confidentiality. And then there just being an international story, like, boom, here it is. This is what happened. It's, you know, it it's got to be very hard to be celebrities these days, right. and and I would I would group the superheroes in, into that category for the world they live in. I mean, think about how little privacy you have, and so it makes sense that in creating this place, they're really trying to make it as private as possible because, God, it's got to be so hard. To find a trusted place where you were talking about being a candy striper and just, you know, like, okay, so don't look at the chart. Well, there are there are those temptations all over the place. And when when a celebrity like this, it's got to just be hard to find someone that can completely resist that temptation. Gosh, it's something that you never really think about before. Like we always think about Batman's trauma. Right. We think about his trauma that he deals with regarding his parents. But one thing I really don't really think about a lot is the trauma that all superheroes deal with. They don't save everybody. Nope. They see things that they cannot get out of their head. Mm-hmm. And and it's something that I never I never actually took the time to really think about until reading this. Like, man, superheroes go through absolute hell and on it it made me think because i was going to say to you it honestly when when you think about their roles and what they constantly do and what they're constantly going through it reminded me a lot of when we did the harleen podcast the veteran that was telling his story Mm, their stories some of the things that they were saying were happening sounded very very similar yeah to it superman does this beautiful speech after the article has been released, just talking about why this treatment center is so important and why it's there and why it shouldn't be a concern for people. It should be a relief. 
And yes. I have oh, to such s- a good speech. It's such a good speech. And of course it's for superheroes. And to our knowledge, there are no superheroes in this world. <laughs> but it rings very true if you think about people who have been in the military or mm-hmm. first responders or, you know, any of these moments where, yeah, in in helping you take on some of this stuff, this gunk that's that builds up on the world. And if if that didn't build up on you, that in and of itself might actually be a problem. It might mean in some ways are are you meant for the job if it doesn't affect you at all? Because yeah. then why are you in it if not to, you know, help people and care about people and whatnot? So it's almost like this, of course, this is going to happen. This is us trying to handle it. You want us going to places like this. Another thing that was interesting to me about this is whenever you think about therapy, in my mind, if I hear the word therapy, I'm thinking you're in an office. Mm-hmm. There's somebody across from you with a notepad. You're sitting down. They're asking you questions. You're answering them. But this was very different because essentially all it is is a room for them to work things out. Yeah. Because they, they go in and it's like, hey, whatever you need, mm-hmm. we're here. Because there's no actual human therapists at this location there's like some automated robots that might have some ai but everything they're going through is like okay this is where i need to go right now this is what i need and they're working through it by themselves they do get prompts yeah you know, so there are prompts within the computers and whatnot right but yeah and I, I mean that is essentially what a lot of treatment is trying to help a person be able to manage what they're going through because even if you're going through really intensive treatment, you're you're the only person that's always there with you. So yeah. being able to find that way to manage things. And, and yeah, the prompts are definitely different here. And it is kind of, yeah, I think this is a good point because people do think of, okay, so especially when we think of therapy, to my mm-hmm. knowledge, there's no medication stuff going on or. Um, I didn't think so. Or any other kind of treatments outside of it was mostly like talk therapy and and kind of related things in that vein, but a lot of times with talk therapy, people think okay, so there's a couch, you're sitting, I'm lying down. Like people think a lot of times like the super old school kind of version. Like okay, so you've got a notepad and you're kind of writing things down, or or we're like sitting in a room, it's your office. Therapy can look a whole heck of a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, walk and talks. Uh, exposure therapies where you're either using virtual reality is used with a lot of exposure or you're um, imagining or sometimes in therapy going to these actual places or or actually helping someone do exposures together. Like um, if someone has trouble with needles, all right, let's bring the needles into the room. Okay, let's find someone who can, you know, draw blood or things like that. Or if you're afraid of heights, all right, well, let's go find some heights for you because putting yourself in certain scenarios can actually help you process through, but sometimes you need the support there too. So therapy can look a lot of different ways, but a, a large majority does tend to be that you're sitting in an office kind of thing. I think one of my favorite things about this comic as well is it shows that 
everyone needs some form of the same thing. Sanctuary mm -hmm. is for heroes, but it's also for reformed villains. Yes. I, I really, really liked that aspect because it, it, it shows, okay, they may need this place a little more than you, essentially, but everyone still needs it. Yeah, I, I, I liked that too, where it opened up a little bit more. And it does beg the question too, is, any, is there a way to utilize this stuff I may be at Arkham or or with people who are maybe in a very different kind of place within their rehabilitation process. But yeah, especially so this place that brings in heroes and then you also have these kind of anti-heroes who are kind of making their way like Poison Ivy was there and um, and Harley Quinn was there, although she wasn't supposed to be there. She just kind of Harley yeah. Quinned it and <laughs> yeah. popped up. But she still goes into the room and she's still going through the notions of it and like dealing yeah. with all the abuse that she got from the Joker. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. There. Oh, there's just such good stuff in this. Yeah. I, I seriously at multiple times, like especially the confessional, like you were talking about, I was like, man, did he did he have some mental health providers that he was talking to while he was writing this? It's very, very good. The overall message I really liked in this was that no matter how bad things seem you are never alone like you aren't alone like there might be someone that has no idea what you're going through but there is someone that is there and i i just i really really love that because this essentially it was a flash story and it was the repercussion this this all takes place after the new 52 mm -hmm. so when the reset happened wally west's family was erased from existence and so that's what he's dealing with and what's so interesting about it was up until this point whenever you see wally west he's the happy-go-lucky guy mm -hmm. he's the guy that everyone looks to for happiness that everyone looks to for hope but inside he's going through absolute hell and turmoil dealing with this family that does not exist anymore that he 100 percent fully remembers and he feels like he's all alone in that because he doesn't yeah. know anyone else that lost their entire family from this and and that's where the anonymity is a problem where we have other episodes where we talk about just the importance of other people who have been there and the sentiment of other people can relate to you other people are hurting as well just doesn't hit home for Wally. And yeah. part of it's the anonymity. And so, okay, where does the anonymity start breaking down? And yeah, God, his story too. Like it's, it was very heartbreaking. His story it's, too it was, is heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking. Even the way that it ends, because you really can't do a flash story without time travel these days, I don't think. And so is it, that an it, eye it, roll I spy? It, it is a little bit of an eye roll because <laughs> I, it's just the the flash beats a lot of the, the same dead horses a lot and the thing that's bad is i still love the flash and <laughs> i i still will watch it and listen to but even like at the end of this 
like a year or so later in the flash run you find out because the the big the big who done it reveal is that the Wally West was in fact the one that did this but it was completely by mistake. Yeah. But a year later in the Flash comic books it's revealed that guess who reverse flash was behind it all along like Are you serious i didn't yes. know that yes and then but also like reverse flash was the one that did it and also like i can't i, I always forget that savitar was trying to escape from the speed force and he had some hand in it and so it it Flash stories do that so much. It's I'm like something with time head. travel, something with Eobard thought and reverse flash. But if you read this by itself, it's a very beautiful thing. Yes. And because... Wally even points out in in everything, he actually like points out all the issues that come with the time travel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, <laughs> Which is, I felt yeah. was like a nice nod to how ridiculous Flash can get with stuff. Which is what hurt him even more because these these heroes that he mistakenly murdered, he essentially talks about how he doesn't want to create another Flashpoint by mistake, so he can't go back in time and save yes. them. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, and, and they essentially at the end talk him out of suicide, more or less, because he's yeah. trying to close the loop. And it's... It's a pretty it's a pretty emotional read, but you walk away from it like really it was one of those even though it was deep, I really walked away from it feeling good. I was like, man, I that agree. was that was nice. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, which is kind of strange cuz you go into it knowing a bunch of people have been murdered and yeah. it's <laughs> and it's it's like a lot of sidekicks and a lot of sidekicks and and so you heroes. you've got all these heroes yeah. that are hurting from it and uh it, it, it's their safe place so yeah you you think it's gonna be really really heavy but yeah. it balances out really nicely and it and it hits on deep things without yeah i i didn't find myself kind of depressed at the end it, it yeah i, I, I w- enjoyed it a lot i was sad so one of the things they do here too is you get to know the victims quite a bit. Like you get to see what they're there being treated for and what they're dealing with. Cause some of them, I hadn't even heard of them before. Like the, 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 the Cro-Magnon man and, and yeah. all, all like some of them I hadn't even heard of, but I was so sad because I got their stories and then mm-hmm. it always ends with them dying. You're and like, and, Oh, can't this one live? Oh, come on. Right. I'm like, actually I wanted to read up on this guy. <laughs> come back. <laughs> like sad. I was, I was very sad. And then there were people that you recognized that were there too. Yeah, it's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it will tug at those heartstrings. But once again, there's evenly dispersed humor that you don't expect that had me giggling quite a bit. Oh, yeah. It's great. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Like Harley Quinn playing cards with a penguin. I just... I love her so much in this comic. I laughed. (laughs) I laughed so hard. I (laughs) laughed so... It was it was great, and all her poetry and like nursery rhymes that she's singing while she's like <laughs> beating people. So funny. Yeah, oh, and her and Batgirl like arguing because Batgirl keeps making her promise not to murder people, but then she keeps like essentially trying to murder people anyway. And using a different word, she's I'll like, "You can't kill them. anyone." She's like, "Okay, I'm gonna murder him. You can't. That's murder. All right, I'm gonna slaughter. Right. It's it's so funny. It's so y'all y'all should check this out and definitely hit us up either on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and tell us what you thought 
of the comic as well. I feel like y'all don't talk to us enough. Y'all really got to start chatting with us. (laughs) Do we have a mindful nerd moment for this? We do. So we didn't. Why get do to... I ask? I know. Why I always, do you ask? I always ask. Do we have a mindful nerd moment? Well, of course we do. <laughs> what is the mindful nerd moment? Yes. So we didn't hit Wally until pretty close to the end, but I thought maybe hitting on Wally could be good. So Wally is feeling a lot of hurt. He's he's getting treatment at the sanctuary. He's feeling very lonely. And he essentially gets to this point where he's like, people can't possibly know what I'm feeling. And actually, there's this really poignant moment. There are very few places where I see this, but they actually show kind of a little bit of delusion, odd belief stuff forming for him through his grief, where he's feeling such intense grief and feeling so lonely. He gets to a point where he's like, People can't possibly be feeling what I'm feeling. There can't possibly be people that relate. In fact, maybe everyone's in on this sick joke to try and convince me of this to just kind of keep me around and hoping. And so he's he's desperately trying to figure out, can anyone actually relate? And he talks about this split second, which for a flash, unfortunately, a lot can happen in. And how in that second, all of a sudden, he's taking all the data that breaks apart and our Lucius Fox behind the scenes, Bill Murphy, hasn't read this comic. So all you computer people might complain that it doesn't make sense, but whatever. (laughs) Essentially, all the data gets broken apart, but the flash is fast enough he can put it all back together. And so in the split, impulsive moment, a lot of times impulse Those of you out there that have had things happen, sometimes it's just that impulsive moment that all of a sudden you end up down this path that might not be the best for you. And that's when everything starts falling apart because then he's flooded with all these terrible things that other people experience too. So I I wanted to kind of hit on that moment of that impulse, that split second, and hitting on a grounding with the five senses and I, I just want to highlight that one of the issues with these in-the-moment flashes of things is a lot of times we realize after the fact. And so these are things that really have to be practiced a lot in order for them to help in these moments. But if he had something like this grounding skill for himself, maybe he could have gotten himself through that impulsive second and make it out of there without all this other stuff kind of cascading for him. So that's what I want us to put our mindset into is your Wally, you're feeling alone. People can't possibly be feeling this too. This is all a setup. I, that split, you're getting to that split second. You're building up to the split second where you're about to take that anonymity, throw it out the window, and then all this bad stuff happens. And and so instead of doing that, we're going to ground through the five senses. Sound good? Yes, I like it. Okay. As per usual, close your eyes if you're comfortable. But if not, just kind of gaze into nothing. <laughs> Sit comfortably, but it's usually good to be sitting straight at the same time. And just take a few breaths grounding yourself and to also help you put yourself into this mindset that I just described. So you're Wally, 
you're feeling all of these things. It's building up. The intensity is just getting stronger and stronger. You can't see how anyone can relate. But before that split second decision and moment happens, you take one of your hands and you say, okay, I'm going to try and ground myself for a moment. Things are getting too intense. And so with your, you're going to count with your hand as Wally. And with your thumb, you think, okay, let me look for one thing I see around me. And you look around your room that you're in at Sanctuary, and you notice something in that room, and you just fully take in the sight of that thing as if you've never seen it before. How the light hits it, the shape it is, the colors, any textures that you seem to see, the, where the light and the shadows hit, all of those different things, seeing it as if for the first time. Then you take your pointer finger and you focus on touch. Let's say you're sitting on your bed in that room and your hands are just lying by your sides on the comforter. You pay attention to how that comforter feels underneath your fingertips. You start to move your hand around just to really get that sensation, really take in that sense of touch with the comforter as if it's for the first time. Then you go to your middle finger. You focus on one thing that you can hear in the room. It might be something within that room. It might be something that you faintly hear outside of that room. But you really try and focus in on one sound. Might be the sound of a clock. Might be the creaking in the walls or the floor. Might be the whoosh of the air conditioning or a fan. Maybe you hear an animal fluttering or chirping outside. Whatever it might be, honing in on one sound as if for the first time. Then you focus on your ring finger and smell. And trying to see if you can pick up a smell in the room. It might be a fabric. Maybe it's the soap that you used that morning to wash your hair or your skin. But trying to focus in on one smell that you notice and taking it in once again as if for the first time. And then finally, with your pinky finger, pay attention to taste. Notice what taste you might have in your mouth. It might be from brushing your teeth. It might be from a drink or a meal you just had. It might just be an unfamiliar taste that you can't really pinpoint to anything. But try and focus in on taste, a taste in your mouth that you might not have been noticing before. And taking it in once again, as if for the first time. And now just taking a moment as Wally in Sanctuary and taking in where you are at now versus where you started when you first focused on your hand and grounding with the five senses and appreciate how you've moved from that first moment to the moment you're in now. And when you're ready, prepare to shift away from Wally and back to you in your room, moving around a little bit where you're sitting 
taking in a few breaths of the air of where you are instead of in sanctuary. And when you're ready, opening your eyes and we'll wrap up this podcast. What'd you think? I like that. The the focusing on the five senses. I don't know if we've ever done anything with that before, like specifically trying to hit I don't think all we have. of them all of them separately. I don't know if we've ever done that one before. So I really I really did enjoy that. The nice thing with the hand is sometimes if you're super overwhelmed, you need something kind of concrete to help you kind of walk through. So for some people, the like, okay, five senses, five fingers on a hand is really helpful. Yeah. The only thing I will say is that like if you uh <laughs> if you're in the vicinity of uh like a, a diaper genie or a, a <laughs> yeah, or or a dirty diaper. Yeah, the 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 smell part. You might want to just like or taste. Focus. You know, if there's like a weird aftertaste. That yeah. being said, don't forget, <laughs> mindfulness is not always about pleasant things. It's about that's, balance. That's true. That's true. It's like oh, I see something nice. I don't smell anything nice. <laughs> but and still, you're smelling <laughs> something different than the overwhelming thing that was about to make you make, essentially murder everybody. So That's true. That's true. And the, the whole point of this is that everyone goes through a crisis and everyone needs mindfulness to go through it. Even heroes. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown. Find me on social media at Crafting the Mind. I'm comic enthusiast and professional nerd Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJBS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. See you next week. Same Bat time, same Bat channel.